This episode of the Jack Vita Show is brought to you, as always, by our friends over at CBS All Access. CBS All Access, in my honest opinion, is the best streaming service in the game. Now, why would I say that? Well, earlier this year, I wrote a piece over at jackvita.com, which if you haven't checked out, you should. I'm putting out good content over there, writing stuff in addition to releasing these podcasts. But I wrote a piece about how Nickelodeon needs to get into the streaming game. They need to create their own version of Disney+. Plus. Well, CBS All Access is quickly becoming that service. If you grew up in the 2000s or the 90s, a lot of our favorite classic shows have made their home on CBS All Access, and many more are still to come. Here's what you can find currently. SpongeBob, Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, Fairly Odd Parents, Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, Danny Phantom, Ah, Real Monsters, Ren and Stimpy, Cat Dog, All Grown Up. For the live action stuff, the Teen Nick stuff, iCarly, Victorious, Zoe 101, Sam and Cat, Big Time Rush, all that, Keenan and Kel. And if you're a 90s kid, you'll like these last two shows. I saved them special for you. Are You Afraid of the Dark and Doug? That's right. So lots of great stuff over there and plenty more to come. I'm crossing my fingers. I think Drake and Josh is going to come soon. I don't know when it will come, but it'll be a very joyous day in my house when it does. What are you waiting for? Go to jackvita.com slash CBS. Get a free one week long trial. And after that, it'll be $5.99 a month. CBS All Access, as we'll talk about today, is the exclusive home for the Champions League which we're going to be podcasting about today. If you are like me and you miss having baseball and you want a sport to watch in the middle of the week, or maybe you are a big soccer fan, sign up for CBS All Access. It's the exclusive home for the Champions League in English. They won't be airing it anywhere else in English. I'm sure they have it in other languages elsewhere, but jackvita.com slash CBS. Also brought to you by our friends over at Fanatics and MLB Shop. If you're looking for some sports clothes and apparel, you want to rep your team, they've got all the LA Dodgers championship gear. Go to jackvita.com slash MLB Shop. If you don't want MLB stuff, but you want football, basketball, hockey, all that other good stuff, go to jackvita.com slash Fanatics. They make a lot of great stuff. So I hope you will go and you will check all that stuff out. And now, let's get to today's show. What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. Back in action today is... October 30th, it's a Friday evening, uh, warming up the night here with a good old-fashioned podcast, and today we're doing something very different. I don't, we have never talked soccer before on this podcast, but I'm excited to get into the Champions League. There's no baseball going on anymore, probably going to be about another month or so if we do, in fact, get college basketball. I think we will. I'm optimistic about it, but... If you want to watch sports in the middle of the week, 
I think uh, we're all going to have to try to get into uh, getting the Champions League. UEFA Champions League available on CBS All Access. I won't go too, into too much about CBS All Access because I just recorded that whole ad bump on CBS All Access. But it's uh, it seems like it's a pretty big deal. And I used to be a soccer fan as a kid. So I used to follow soccer very closely. I'm excited to come back into it. So this episode is pretty unique. If you're not a soccer fan, stay on the line. Listen to this because this one is going to be something where we're going to relate soccer to some of the other sports that go on that are more popular in America. And I think I represent the average American who is a little bit of a casual soccer fan, if that. But I'm excited to get into it. So I have a great guest joining me right now. His name is Jonathan Clancy. And Jonathan Clancy, this man, he played college soccer at Gordon College. So he's perfect for this show. He's been on it before. He joined me to talk about The Last Dance a few months back. So Jonathan here is going to help me pick a team to root for. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jack? Oh, I'm great. Man, this is third episode of the week. So a little bit of a busy week, but hey, I mean, this is so much better. I'd much rather be following all this stuff than whatever everyone's concerned about with the election right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. It's been it's been about five minutes since I've seen an election ad. And I'm so excited. The longest, the longest period, the last two months. <laughs> well, thankfully, it will be over soon. Jonathan, as I mentioned, you played at Gordon College, uh, D3 school, right? That's right. That's right. And what position were you? I played pretty much anywhere on the back line, but mostly uh, outside back, either on the right or on the left. So I would say I played defense. Um, and the outside back is kind of fun because you play defense, but then you also get to get forward more and, and participate in the offense versus the center back who kind of just stays back and plays more defensive. So I got a good mix of offense and defense and the outside back. Well, Jonathan, I played back in the day. Really? Yes, I did. I played, I was a okay. goalie. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but there were some, <laughs> some situations where I get put on a team and, there were other goalies, and so I'd be out in the field, and I was much better as a striker than I was because okay. there were a couple of coaches that tried to line me up as an outside midfielder or a center midfielder. And my goodness, Jonathan, I was v- not conditioned very well as a child, so I, I <laughs> was not fit well for that role. <laughs> yeah. Well, as the young kids, that's usually where they put the goal. The, uh, the kids who are not well conditioned, they usually put them in goalie. That's the... Uh, <laughs> That's usually a position that goes there. <laughs> yeah. So, so you played growing up. Was this just kind of like a rec league you played in when you were younger? Yeah, and I also played uh, on my junior high team as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I I was, again, I was a lazy kid in more ways than one. So baseball <laughs> was a great sport for me. Goalie was a great sport for me. Basketball was fine because I could check in and out of the game, but Okay. I, there were a couple times where I played mid and it was just, it was awful. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know midfield was always like, cause you had to go all the way forward, all the way back. It really, it really, uh, showed where your lungs were at. <laughs> yeah. The condition they were in. <laughs> yes. So played up through eighth grade, didn't play in high school. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, that's great. 
That's great. I am. I'm so excited to be talking with uh, talking with you about soccer this week because <laughs> soccer is my it's my number one sport right now. It's the sport I watch soccer the way that most people watch the NFL or watch the NBA or watch domestic uh, U.S. domestic sports. How I how I watch baseball basically. Yes, exactly. I don't know if that I don't know if I'm that religious about it <laughs> as you are, but. I do I, I, I do watch every weekend and I'm excited to share with you the differences in between soccer and American sports because there's a lot of difference in the system. Uh, just the system, the way they're set up, uh, they're they're a lot different, but once you kind of get the basic understanding, then it becomes really fun because you gotta know what each game represents. Yes. And Jonathan, I wanna share before we get into that a little bit of my backstory as a soccer fan. So I actually was a I don't know, I'd say about as big of a soccer fan as like a casual fan could be in terms of going back to when I grew up. I think soccer has really gotten more mainstream on TV. I don't think it was televised. I don't remember it being televised as much as it was in the mid 2000s as it is now. Most certainly. Yeah. So I was really into the World Cup in 2006 and 2010. Uh, Italy won the World Cup in 2006, and it was a very exciting day in the Vita household. We were. Let's go. <laughs> I remember my dad just kind of running around yelling and screaming. He was so excited. Mm-hmm. We used to play mm-hmm. FIFA a lot. Oh, man. I actually was a fan. Um, really, there's this one guy that I was really drawn to, and I'm sure you remember him. His name was uh, Giuseppe Rossi, who. Yeah had a really unique story. He was born in New Jersey and he was on the cover of ESPN, the magazine. This was around 2009. The billing on him in this article was he could be the greatest American born soccer player ever. And he actually, uh, he had a unique story. I think he actually was playing in Italy as a teenager. Like his family moved and he went and he was playing, he may be playing in Spain at the time, but he moved to Europe and he was playing. Um, and so he actually, decided with his Italian immigrant parents that even though he was born in New Jersey, he was going to try out for the Italian national team in the 2010 World Cup. And I'm sure you remember this whole ordeal because there are a lot of American soccer fans who were really upset about it. And then he didn't end up making the Italian national team. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and he was, um, he was in the Italian league, which is the league that I follow the, uh, the, cl- the closest it's called Serie A in Italy. And I followed them and I remember him coming in and making a really good impression. He was a lefty. He had a gorgeous left foot. He could just place the ball wherever he wanted, but he just kept getting, he didn't make the Italian national team and he just kept getting hurt and hurt and hurt. It just seemed every time that he would come back after a long layoff, he ended up, uh, carrying an ACL or, or, or another leg injury or something. And, and, and his story, as talented as he was, is really defined by injuries that slowed him down and really slowed uh, what could have been something great. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't too, know too much of his uh, story, but I, wasn't he with uh, Villarreal at one point in Spain? Yeah. So he started at Villarreal and then he moved to Italy from there to a team in Florence. The, the, yeah. the soccer team in Florence is uh, called Fiorentina. Yes. And they signed him and, and, and he did well there. He was playing well. He was kind of borderline um, 
working his way into the Italian national team setup after he had decided to play for Italy versus the U S which um, I think I've forgiven him for by this point, I think. Um, <laughs> Good. But uh, yeah, he, he, he had a lot of promise. He had a lot of potential. It was really exciting for an American standpoint, because even though he didn't pick America as the, as his national team, um, it got, it, it, it gave you hope that America can produce world-class players. And he was, yeah. he was certainly on his way to becoming world-class, but he just, he just got hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. And so it's so frustrating to see. Yeah, and in his defense, he's from New Jersey, so that's pretty much an Italian colony over there in the Northeast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably around 06 to 2010, the height of my soccer fandom. I was actually a Barcelona fan, and so I saw the later years of Ronaldinho, and then Messi came in, and he was just, I mean, he's still, I'm sure he's still a phenomenal player, but I remember he was really young, and he was a little guy, and that was right around the time where he was becoming a big star and I think sometime after that 2010 World Cup my interest just slowly started diminishing and I don't know what it was but maybe the fact that the U.S. team didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup I always the Mm -hmm. World Cup was always my favorite so I think that uh just the and Italy's national team also diminishing over the years as well yeah, if that those were probably the contributing factors to my own uh, decrease in interest in soccer. But as you can tell, I was I was decently into it at one point. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and that's good here because so much of getting into soccer is having a team to cheer for. Yes, having having a vested interest in the game. You know, it's 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 one thing if you're just watching a sport to analyze it. It's another when you're a fan and you and you and you have a lot more emotion um, invested in what you're doing. So here's what I want to do. Here's what, I, here's what we should do. Yes. I'm going to walk through. I'm going to briefly talk about just the European soccer system Please and kind do. of compare and contrast it with the American sports system because there are some big differences that you may not fully understand um, on the outset, but it's, it's important to understanding when you become a, when you start watching soccer to understand all the ins and outs. Yes, please do then, that, Jonathan. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turning the wheel over to you. I'll be the passenger here on this podcast. Good. So then, after that, I'd like to put. I'd like to help you pick a team to cheer for. <laughs> yes. Um, I've I've created a complex algorithm that <laughs> I've had my my uh, team of software engineers coming up with and working <laughs> night and day for the last several months, coming up with the most precise and perfect questions in order to <laughs> find the right European soccer team for you to cheer for as you become a soccer fan. Yes, I. How's that sound? I am all for it. I love it. This is great. I need a team. I, all right. I liked Barcelona. I liked AC Milan back in the day, but it's it's been too long. Mm-hmm. So I need. I think I need a new squad. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm very excited about this. So, um, first, the game itself. Soccer is when you look at the the globe um, popularity on a global scale. It is the most popular sport in the world, and there's a reason for it. One. Uh, and, and a lot of these are the reasons that I really like soccer is that anybody can play soccer. Yeah. You know, Lionel Messi is known by many as, you know, many people think he's the best player in the world and could be the, could be the goat. He could be the greatest of all time. He's five foot five inches tall. <laughs> Someone who's that short can become the best player in the world. That's, I think one of the things that really separates soccer from other sports. 
Um, but you need such natural physical abilities in a lot of other sports to even just get on the field at a professional level. In soccer, you can be you can be that you can be that small and still be the best in the world. Um, soccer is very is much more capitalistic than American sports. American sports, if you do well, you are punished in the next year in turn in um, such as a, a late draft pick, right? You get the yeah. team that wins the NBA title gets the last pick in the first round, and the team that has the worst record gets the best odds to get the number one draft pick. The NFL, right? If you go 0-16 this year in the NFL, you do terrible and you lose every single game. What happens? Well, you get the number one pick next year and you could be drafting Trevor Lawrence. So it's kind of, it's almost like a reward for being bad, right? Yeah. And things, uh, things such as a salary cap and that sort of thing. When you get better and your players get better and you succeed more, players want more money. And that's what ends a lot of dynasties in the U.S. is that you can't afford all these players because their market value becomes greater because you can't spend above a certain salary cap. That favors the smaller teams that don't have those good players because the good team can't afford all those players. Soccer is much different in that there's no draft. There's no salary cap. It's uh, players, youth players, they don't have to go anywhere. They can choose where they want to go. And the best youth players are going to want to play for the best teams. They don't have to go to another team, to a team that did bad because of a draft, because of the draft system. They can go sign with anyone they want. So there's a real incentive to not only be good, but be good consistently so that you don't miss out on the next generation of talent. You don't miss out on those top uh, players that you can get on your team because um, if you miss out, then you miss out. And you don't get rewarded for finishing poorly one year to the victor go the spoils in, in European soccer. So, Jonathan, would you connect it out of the four major professional sports leagues? Would you connect it most similarly to Major League Baseball? Um, in a way, yes, in that the big market teams have a much greater advantage in baseball versus football. Football is much more on an equal playing field. That's how teams like Green Bay can compete with the New York Giants, New York Jets of the world. Yeah. Because they're much more an even playing field. Baseball, with their revenue sharing, is much more uh, whatever team brings in, the bigger market teams, they get more money. And that's and it's certainly like that in soccer. The bigger market teams definitely get, a, get money. Within the different leagues, there's some revenue sharing. Um, there's some revenue sharing systems as well. But in general, the better you do, the more money you get. So if you finish high one year, you get the most money out of anybody to then go defend your title. Yeah, so baseball, I guess the other thing I was thinking about is in baseball, you have the opportunity more than any other sport to be going out and signing guys from other countries just on a, on a contract where you're not even drafting them. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> plus with soccer too, the, um, with those things, it's, it's just a lot different in terms of um, – you know, it's, it's the MLB is designed to try to create parity, right, between all 30 teams. Because if one team is dominant, then it's just not that fun when one team has all the money, all the best players, and they're able to continue to 
dominate year after year after year. It's best when there's different teams that can compete each year. And in soccer, that's certainly the case as well. But um, there are other, there, there's more than just one domestic league. There's more than one trophy you can win every year. So there's different ways of keeping the system in line with, with that whole thing. Because in soccer, there's, there's no tanking. There's yeah. no incentive to tank. The reason that there's, you know, everyone talks about, oh, the NBA tanking. How, how do we stop tanking? <laughs> it's like, well, the root of the cause is that you're rewarded for finishing poorly. Right, a team is uh, a team could get in the lottery and potentially get the top pick if they don't make the playoffs. But if they do finish well and they make the playoffs and they get the eighth seed, then they get the fifteenth or sixteenth pick, and then they're better off. Um, they're worse off than if they just missed the playoffs. So it's really the system that encourages tanking and not the individual teams. They're just taking advantage of the individual system that's set up. In soccer, there's no tanking. Well, I would also say that in baseball it is the one of those sports where if you have the highest overall pick, it's not going to really mean anything because they have to play through the minors. They're a long way off and there's one out of 25 guys. There isn't one position in baseball, like a quarterback in the NFL or in basketball where it's just one of five guys, you have a sure thing, superstar. And then the other thing, I, I just don't think in baseball, they're intentionally trying to lose. It's more just a, structure of well we're trading guys to acquire young talent that we can event and it it results in them losing a lot of times when they rebuild yeah yeah so i I see some comparisons between baseball and soccer so right now you got me i'm i'm in Mm -hmm. on this this is exciting to me yeah yeah and um now one thing that, that will separate soccer from baseball from every other sport is relegation and promotion yes so in each league uh, each country has multiple levels of league, right? You've got your top league, you've got your level two league, you've got your level three league. And each each year, there's relegations and promotions. So if you finish at the bottom of your division, the next year, you're going to be playing in the lower division. And vice versa, if you finish in the top of a lower division, if you t- finish in the top of the second division in your country, then the next year, you're going to be in the big dogs and you'll be playing with the best teams in the top division the next year. And that is really cool because some of the most entertaining games of the year are at the end of the year with the last place teams that are fighting for survival. They're right on the, the, the line of being relegated. And so if you look at the Premier League or something, you may have someone like uh, Hull City or something that is, is not a huge name, but they are playing so hard at the end of the year because they need those, those last couple points in order to survive in, in relegation and promotion. So... Um, and the opposite in the second division, some of the best games are those are those last couple of games where you're trying to get promoted to the upper division because that means more money, that means better players, that means more fans, a bigger market. You get uh, the market, your team, more people get to see it. So the relegation promotion, something that American sports doesn't have and is a foreign concept to American sports, but in European soccer, it is it is uh, it's it's uh, every team has to deal with it. If you do really bad. Yeah, it's essentially Regina George telling you, you can't sit with us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, lastly, real quick, before we get to uh, our test for your your, yes. your European club compatibility test, um, <laughs> to explain the kind of the, the system of leagues and such in soccer, there are, there are essentially three leagues that each team in Europe participates in. Two are 
within your country. One is on the European continent. So in your, your, in, within your country, you have your domestic league. Okay. So that's your premier league. That's the, that's your La Liga, that's Serie A that I mentioned earlier that for most countries, you've got 20 teams in the top league and you play each team home and away throughout the year. So you end up with, with the other 19 teams, you play 38 games. You get three points for a win, one point for a draw team with the most points at the end wins. So that, so that I really like that because that domestic league, that is really about who is the best team throughout the year, right? You can't just turn it on in the last bunk of the season and then win the title in this league. It is about performance throughout the year. A, a, uh, a game at the beginning of the year means just as much as the last game of the year because the same amount, same amount of points. So that's the domestic league. Then you have your national yes. cup. This is also within your country, and it's basically a giant national tournament of all professional teams. So this could be teams in your division. They could be teams in lower divisions. Um, in, in England, it's, uh, the national cup is called the FA Cup. And the FA Cup is known for legendary stories where these small market teams go up against the Manchester United of the world. And these teams that play in the fourth division of England win a couple of games and they get to play against Manchester United. It's an awesome experience. And there's, and there's a ton of stories about huge upsets in this sort of thing. Very similar to the NCAA tournament. The, yeah. the Cinderella teams that are only in there because they won their, uh, their conference tournament, they, they go up against the Dukes or the Kansas or the or the Kentuckys of the world, they get to play against these huge teams that wouldn't normally get to play against. That's what this national cup is. And it's, it's a pretty cool tournament, um, has some potential for some, for some really fun storylines. And you get to see some smaller teams go, go up against the Goliaths of the world, um, which is really cool. So that's your second. So those, so those are your two uh, trophies you can win, win within your country. Then on, across the European continent, you have what's called the Champions League. That's what you're talking about with CBS All Access. The, yep. the, uh, that in the U.S. you have to watch via CBS All Access. The Champions League is the best of the best. It is a league of champions. It is the best of the best in each in each country in Europe come together for a year-long tournament to, to determine who is the top team in Europe, who is the top club team in, in the world. And it's really cool because the way it's set up is it's, it's set up in two halves of the year. The first half of the year going on right now, you have the group stage, right? You've got four teams in your group. You play each team home and away. Three points for a win, one point for a draw. The two teams with the most points at the end of the uh, group stage advance to the knockout stage. The knockout stage is then played in the second half of the year. And this is you play home and away uh, against the other team. And then this is where aggregate scoring comes in. So if you win the first game four to one, lose the second game one to nothing, you still advance because you, on an aggregate scoring, you scored four goals, they scored two, therefore you advance on. So um, each goal matters. You don't give up after one game because uh, the, the uh, you know, the game is over. Who cares? They get the three points. We'll try to win the next game. It's about goals. So each goal matters. And it's, it's a really cool setup. Uh, very similar to the world, to the way the World Cup is set up with the group stage and then the knockout stage. It's kind of like that, except throughout the entire year. So the Champions League final is played at the end of May. That is the Super Bowl of soccer. That is the single biggest club game of the year. It's the biggest soccer game in the world, apart from the World Cup final. 
Uh, World Cup final comes every year, uh, every four years. Champions League is every year. So in May, the end of May, it's a Champions League final. That is the Super Bowl of soccer. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's such a cool, it's such a cool <laughs> system because you can win multiple trophies. You can focus on the Champions League. You can focus on your domestic league. You can focus on your cup. And if you win all three of those, it's known as the trouble. And that's like the season of all seasons. That's, you've done so well. That's, that's one of the best seasons you have. You, you just won everything. So it's like the, the horse racing triple crown, essentially. Yeah, like that. Yeah. If you win one of those, it's a great, it's a great achievement. If you win two of them, it's awesome. If you, if you win three, you dominate. No one defeated you, and you are in uh, soccer lore. <laughs> One for the history books. Well, now I'm I'm on I'm all excited. I didn't totally understand how it all worked. Mm-hmm. I just uh, would kind of tune in. You know, Jonathan. I also forgot to mention in my soccer background, I actually was back in 2015. I was the beat reporter for the Valparaiso men's soccer team, and I called games as a color commentator on ESPN three. Oh my gosh! Are you serious on ESPN three? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so I I understand how the game works. I just I think okay. I don't I haven't totally understood how it all works at the professional level. And I actually I must say one of the things that I really I really got into following that college team and I have paid a little bit of attention to college soccer. One of the things that I really have enjoyed and this is something I was interviewing a lot of these guys on the team and they all had these really great stories. A lot of them were coming from Europe some from Jamaica. And the thing they kept telling me is college soccer is so different from all these other places that I've played. There's obviously college sports. There's just so much energy through the roof with the student section, everything of that nature. But one of the things that I really enjoyed, and this is something that never would be implemented in the pro game. This would be kind of like the equivalent to when people want to change stuff in baseball and I get upset um, but the thing I really liked about the college game, and you can keep in the college game, you don't have to bring it in the pro game, but there's an unlimited number of substitutions in the college game. So that means that you typically are going to get a little more of a faster-paced game, where whereas in professional soccer at most of these, in all these leagues, you cannot sub guys out, so they play at a slower pace. Um, if you sub out, you can't come back in. It's like baseball, and you only have a few substitutions that you can make. So they play a little slower. Now, that's not bad, but that was something I definitely picked up on at the college level compared to the pro level. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, it's really interesting because uh, it's funny you say that because right now um, the limit was three subs, like you said, but during COVID, when they came back, when they had the COVID break this past year, and then they came back, one of the changes they made in the rules is that they allowed five subs Oh, wow. Instead of three. And I thought that was really cool. I actually like it. I hope they keep it like that going forward because yeah. with five subs, you can change the way your team plays. Yeah. And it can be a, you, you can make a couple of subs. Those two extra subs can really change the way your team plays entirely. Plus, you get more people playing, too. I thought, oh, yeah, exactly. At most, you can only have 14 people on your team play. When you have squads of 25, 30 players, it's, you, sometimes you don't get to see a play, players play a lot because there's just not a lot of, lot, lot of opportunity for it. Yeah. So, Jonathan, I, I know soccer. I just I, I don't know about the players or uh, yeah. how these leagues work. So I'm, I'm glad you're here to show me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and 
and it's cool too, because one of the things I like about European soccer is that there's different leagues too. And, you know, you were talking about playing at a faster pace. Well, each league will have its own different, ha- has its own different playing style. Yeah. So in England, the premier league, they're known for um, playing with their, playing with their hearts, right? It's about getting stuck in. It's about playing with passion. It's about running until you can't run anymore. And it's about show, you show your effort through how hard you work on the field. Um, contrasting, in Italy, it's much more tactical in that you're thinking about the way you play. You don't just run everywhere. Um, it's much more of a chess match, right, where you're, where you're thinking about moving as a team and what's the best, mo- what's the best movement here when the, when the other team's countering with that. Uh, like the old saying is that the Italians, uh, the English play with their hearts but the, but the Italians play with their heads really cool um yeah. really cool contrasting to see that even though it's within the champions league you're getting a bunch of different playing styles against each other because all these team all these uh domestic leagues operate independent of each other absolutely and you see it also in the world cup especially a team like germany that's really big and can be a little physical yep well i guess it's also kind of like why i love college football because you can turn on a Big 12 game and they're probably going to score 40 points every single time. You can put on the Big 10 and maybe it's 10 to 3, a little more field position game and playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. Without further ado, I think we're Sweet. ready to figure out a team for you. Let's do it. So okay. I'm turning the wheel over to you once again. You're driving the car, and this is pretty great for me because I did not have to do really any prep for this podcast, which okay. is a rarity. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to ask you some questions, and then from your answers, I'm going to figure out what is the best team for Jack Vita to cheer for. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Let's do it. Number one, what is your nationality? As I alluded to earlier, uh, I have some Italian blood, and I don't know what part of Italy uh, my great grandfather came here from, but you know my last name means life in Italian. So while I've been a blend mm-hmm. of German, Italian, Irish, and a tiny little bit of British, really like the old my. <laughs> if you want to talk about contrast. My Italian great grandfather came here, you know, not that's not too long ago, great grandfather, but then you know, my British blood goes back to the Mayflower. And that that's like mm-hmm. you know, so Oh cool. <laughs> so really not a lot of not a lot of British in me, but primarily I've always okay. um identified most with Italian uh because of my last name. Okay. Are you, um, do you want to cheer for, does that mean you only want to cheer for an Italian team or are you open to not Italian teams as well? I'm open to anybody. Okay. okay. I'm not exclusive. Like All Regina right. George. Understood. <laughs> are you loyal to teams or are you loyal to players as a fan? In your fandom, are you loyal to a team or are you loyal to players? Now, Jonathan, my whole perspective on fandom is, Look, I, I look at it like a relationship. And if you enter an abusive relationship, you can exit that whenever you want. <laughs> Life's too short. Uh, now, I don't I don't really like players switching teams, and I'm not really like a guy that follows around certain players. But I think mm-hmm. while I am particularly loyal, I do think that people who are fans of teams, if they 
want to cheer for whoever they want to cheer for and they don't want to be stuck as a Browns fan for their entire life, you you can go where the getting's good. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, so does yeah. that answer your question? It does. It does. And that's, and that's the fun part about this process is that for most people, I mean, it's with the current generation of fans, like the younger generation, it seems like it's kind of transitioning from this. But I mean, growing up, it was all about geographic location, right? Yeah. Wherever you were born, you cheered for the closest team, and that was the team you cheered for. You didn't really get to choose it based on how the team is run or the players, the playing style or anything like that. It was just kind of like, oh, the Cubs. Okay, I'll cheer for the Cubs. <laughs> all right. I'm from Chicago. Let's do it. Yeah, no, totally. And that's interesting is I'm, I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And the only reason is because my uncle is a Steelers fan. I remember watching games with him as a little kid, but even as a kid, understanding that it's just a first class, awesome organization that does things in a very professional, uh, sportsman like way. And I think that's something that's drawn me to the Steelers. Now, obviously, it's helped that they've consistently been good my whole life. But I think even Mm -hmm. if they weren't good, if you have a team that is doing stuff that frustrates you while playing bad, like there are certain things that you can't get behind with a crazy owner or whatever, then Mm -hmm. feel free to to jump ship at any time. (laughs) Understood. (laughs) Okay, next question. In terms of the way they run their club, I'm not talking about in terms of championships or anything like that, just in terms of the way they run their club and how they go about player acquisition, player development, do you prefer the New York Yankees or the Oakland A's? I have to go with the Oakland A's here because I'm all about, I just wrote a piece about how much, how great Tampa Bay Rays are to follow as an organization. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. all about, I really like sabermetrics and advanced analytics and being ahead of the curve, but primarily the biggest thing is drafting and developing your own talent. Um, yeah. I never, never, ever, because I just don't think it really works all that well. I mean, the Yankees did win that 2009 World Series, but if you look at some of the big free agent acquisitions recently, Bryce Harper with the Phillies, Phillies two years uh, they haven't made the playoffs with them, even when they yeah. expanded them this year. So mm-hmm. I'm a big, firm believer in – I'm actually about to read Moneyball, but I read the Rays book, which is called The Extra 2%, and I, I make reference to that, it seems, every podcast, but <laughs> all about how business cool. strategies transformed a baseball organization. So I'm all really right. into all that stuff. All right. Um do you want your team to be focused on winning, 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 or do you want them to have an entertaining style of play? Ooh, that's a good one. So I think what's interesting about me is that entertaining, I feel like a lot of things I find entertaining might not be as entertaining to more of the casual fan. Maybe that's just because I've been someone who's been such a hardcore sports fan. But for instance, the Tampa Bay Rays, Jonathan, you texted me during the World Series and you said, you turned it on. You're like, is Evan Longoria still on the team? (laughs) I don't know who any of these guys are. Wow, wow, way to out me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why isn't Evan Longoria playing? (laughs) (laughs) That was a common belief by a lot of people who are just tuning in. The Tampa Bay Rays only had two guys the entire postseason that played every single game. And those were Randy Rosarena and shortstop yeah. Willie Adamas. And mm-hmm. to me, I find that really entertaining. Now, the average person 
probably doesn't because there's not really a star that they're branding or marketing or maybe the fact that they shift in the infield. Maybe that's that's super interesting to me, but maybe that's not interesting to everybody. So having said that, I guess while I'm not someone that's like, I sound like a fair weather fan, but um, I probably would err more on if you're winning in a in a way that isn't super exciting to everybody, then I mean, I, I I enjoy being ahead of the curve and coming up with new ways to win, even if it's not the most exciting uh, textbook way to do it. Okay. Do you prefer the artist or the engineer with, when it comes to sports? Yes. Can you please explain this question a little bit? So the artist is, is uh, this kind of goes back to your winning versus entertaining. The artist um, goes about to give you an experience, right? You look at an art piece, there's an experience, there's an emotional response, or there's a, um, it takes you back to your childhood or something like that. It's, it's not just looking at the picture, it's experiencing the piece of art, whether it's a picture, a sculpture, you know, whatever uh, medium the, the artist uh, product takes. It's, it's about an experience, right? It's about enjoying it, or it's about experiencing another emotion. The engineer is about getting from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible, right? It's about being um, ahead of the curve. It's about finding the new methods of being better, about using your your resources more efficiently. It may, it may not be the prettiest thing ever, but it gets the job done. Yeah, so I definitely am more on the engineer side of things. And I'll give you an example here. I'm a big believer that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and I think in the NBA, if you were looking like who's the Tom Brady of the NBA in the 21st century, Tim Duncan's that guy. He just stayed on his team his whole career. He won five titles in two different eras in an era in the late nineties and the early two thousands where you'd line up two centers. And then he won in 2014 where things were shifting more into the golden state Warriors style of play. Tim Duncan wasn't a guy who anyone was really excited about watching. He had a mid-range game, which the mid-range game is pretty much extinct now, right, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the guy I I'm not I'm not a big fan of where the entertainment aspect has gone in recent years. I think in general, you want to watch guys who are unbelievable athletes and performers, but now it's gotten to a point in American sports where it's like a lot of the, the entertainer type guys, the artist type guys are out there to create their own brand. And I'm, I respect more someone who just puts their head down and works hard at it. And maybe it's not the most exciting fashion, but Hey, Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls, and he might win another one now at age uh, 40, 40, whatever he is now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so in bullet point fashion, yes, each of the big American four leagues, who are your favorite teams? So one team per league, and it's not, it's not favorite team from a fandom point of view. It's more in the turn in the way that they run themselves, how they play their front office, how they acquire players, player development. So so you're not picking your, your, your boyhood fan club. You're talking about (laughs) a club that you really admire the way that they're run. Okay, I can give you a couple actually for some of these. So for NFL, 
I would say the Steelers and the Patriots. Okay. Baseball, I would go Tampa Bay Rays and now the actually the Los Angeles Dodgers, two teams that played in the World Series. I've been arguing these are the two best front offices in baseball. So okay. it wasn't a surprise that that was the World Series. That was actually a World Series that I predicted coming into the playoffs. Uh-huh. All right. NBA, I probably, you know, I why veer off a of Spurs path, but I guess Boston Celtics would be another one. Okay. And then in the NHL, the Blackhawks, just the way that they went from the least valuable organization in sports by ESPN the Mag. Another another shout out to ESPN the Mag in this episode. <laughs> they used to put out good stuff back in the day, but they were the least valuable team in sports and overnight Rocky Wirtz comes in after his dad passes as the owner and things just all of a sudden became exciting. They brought in a new front office. They drafted extremely well and they became a dynasty that won three Stanley cups. So gotta, gotta go with the Blackhawks. Yeah. Okay. Understood. All right. For the remaining questions I've got, let's see, seven here. These are, would you rather's? Yes. Okay, so just like the game you used to play with your friends about this or that, <laughs> it is a would you rather. Okay? Would you rather win the division every year and compete for a championship, or would you rather win a championship followed by a few bad years? You know, Jonathan, I think this sort of depends on the sport, but let's just use baseball because baseball is my favorite and we've already set up some parallels between baseball and soccer. So I think in the NBA, you don't want to make the playoffs every year because that's just, and you can't win anything that, that just seems counterproductive to what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But as we mentioned in baseball, you're not building your team as much through losing in the draft and tanking. So in baseball, I would actually say if you were to take the last seven years of the Dodgers where they won seven straight division titles and no championships, even though they didn't win those championships, I wouldn't be pulling my hair out as a fan because I would look at it and I say, look, they're just in the mix every single year. Eventually they're going to be there because they've been the best team in the national league several times, three world series appearances in four years. Whereas then you look at something like maybe the Chicago Cubs situation and they won it. It was the most satisfying championship that you could ever win. Yeah. Yeah. Yet it eventually, the excitement eventually diminishes to some degree. I don't want to say it entirely expires, but yeah. How eventually after a few years, you start hearing what the Cubs fans say, well, we want to win another one. We don't want to be in this spot now where we're losing the Marlins in round one. So I think, yeah, it's a less. My argument would be that if you were a Dodgers fan, let entirely cross off this year, but for the last seven years, if you were a Dodgers fan, you are probably not as frustrated overall as you are if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, which I know is yeah. your baseball team. Yeah, right. You go from worst to first to worst again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's next all because that's all you can ask of a front office is the front office can't go out and win the championship. Understood. Understood. All right. Would you rather sign big free agents, sign the best free agents, or build the best farm system? Oh, you know where I'm going with this one, Jonathan. After everything I said about Tampa <laughs> and Oakland. 
and oh, even the Dodgers. The glamour. Oh, definitely the glitz and the glamour. <laughs> That's definitely where you're going with this. The Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all about player development and building your team through the draft. Okay. Would you rather have a crazy owner who is up and down and <laughs> really funny at the same time, or would you rather have a stoic owner who works who works in secret behind the scenes? <laughs> that one isn't too hard for me. I feel like if I was a Dallas Mavericks fan, in fact, I actually have some friends who are Dallas area and they're fans of the Mavericks. So Mark Cuban is one of consistently talked about as one of the zaniest characters in sports. I think it would get old after a while. If you're not winning, you get kind of you. Hey, Jerry Jones, another one in Dallas. It seems like which which owner can make more noise. At a certain yeah. point, you just say like, "All right, <laughs> this is funny every once in a while." And I think if you're not a fan of the team, you might enjoy it a little more than if you are a fan of the team. But I think if you're a fan yeah. of the team, you pretty much want an owner who's maybe they maybe they can make the experience a little fun, like someone like Steve Ballmer might with the Clippers, but he's not a guy that's going out there and just giving you like a quote to the media or spending a ton of time on Twitter each day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather cheer for the nineties Cowboys or the 2010s Patriots? And once again, Jonathan, explain this one to the audience. So both teams are successful, right? They won multiple Super Bowls. I think they won th- uh, three Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, in, e- in each of their respective decades. But they did it very differently, right? The Patriots did it by, um, you know, committing to the team, right? Nobody was above the team. Belichick was famous for trading his superstar players on a whim, right? And he always had a reason for it. And he always had guys come in, and that was his focus, was the team, team, team. Whereas the 90s Cowboys was a lot crazier. It was, it was more superstar-powered with Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith and Michael Irving. and um, They played for the team, but it was much more that the, the individual personalities flashed through more. So the point of the question is not whether you want to win, because both teams won, but they won it in very different ways. Which way would you rather your team win? The 90s Cowboys or the 2010s Patriots? It's a great question. I think that, to me... As based on what I've sort of talked about, while I like having characters in sports, it does seem like I enjoy the characters more if they're not on my own team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For instance, okay. I'll give you an example here. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I'm a Steelers fan. I think if you're not a Steelers fan and you're just kind of watching what transpired with them in the last year or two of their time with the Steelers, you'd be like, man, this is these guys are amazing athletes and they're doing this goofy stuff, but I enjoy it because it's funny. Whereas with the Steelers, there comes a certain point where the charm wears off and you say, all right, we're going to draft someone who can replace you. And that's what the Steelers have done. So I think for that reason, I probably would side more with the 2010s Patriots. Okay. Okay. Next. (laughs) I got three more. I think we can do these uh, pretty quick fire. Oh, yeah. No um, no rush. Okay. Would you rather have your team win a game by solid tactics or by superior athleticism? Once again, we can go to that World Series, and the Tampa Bay Rays are someone who I just love watching. They're, they're, they don't have stars. They don't have guys that – you look at G-Man Choi, their first baseman – and you see how a portly fellow such as himself 
is able to somehow do the splits when he's scooping balls out of the dirt. But he's not a star. He's he's not a guy that you look yeah. at and you're just like Mookie Betts, who's out there in right field, who's making some of the best catches we've ever seen. Yeah. Now that's hey, the Dodgers won it and all that. But to me, I'm always most impressed by the teams that find ways to win despite their weaknesses. So another example could be I'm always rooting for the Cinderellas in March Madness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for that for that reason, I guess like I'm drawn to the tactical stuff rather than the athletic stuff. Okay. Uh, do you prefer low scoring or high scoring games? Ideally, Jonathan, I prefer somewhere in between. But the thing is, I I definitely am noticing I'm a bit of an old man. <laughs> Even at <laughs> at age 26, there was a time during this quarantine period where I was watching a bunch of old games. They were airing them a lot on these sports networks and also on Pluto TV. And I was watching old NBA and old NFL. And one of the things I noticed was that. I just enjoyed those leagues a little more in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, even as recently as the later, like early 2010s. At at a certain point, both those leagues, the rules changed a lot and the tactics changed a lot too. And now they're centered around scoring football. There isn't as much of a diversity of offense. It's a lot more Mm -hmm. pass heavy and not as much mix of run and pass. So I think I would probably say defense because my favorite time in the NFL and again I know they had to change some of the rules for player safety but those uh Steelers Ravens games in the two, mid to late 2000s with Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu and Heinz Ward and all those guys those were some of my favorite football games that I watched okay all right last but not least for a coach do you prefer the wise tactician or the halftime motivator it's a good question i think both have again i think a lot of times this in terms of which is better or whatever it depends on what the team needs at each time but for me personally i don't know that's a tough question but i guess i would probably say just looking at some of the teams that i enjoy and really admire i talked about tampa i've talked about i didn't even mention brad stevens when he was at butler and what he did there yeah kevin cash was is the manager of the rays but brad stevens now he's in the nba with boston celtics those guys are probably more tacticians rather than motivators yeah okay okay so that is all you have completed okay. the european club compatibility ch- test <laughs> We have we have named this specific test Living La Vida Loca <laughs> for you. We have crunched the numbers. We have run the algorithm. My team has hit my my software engineer <laughs> team is handing me the results as we speak. And the results are your team. Now I was hoping for an Italian team because you're from Italy. Yes. But I couldn't find the best fit for you in Italy. Okay. Best fit I found for you is in Spain. Okay. And it's a team from Madrid, but not Real Madrid. Ooh. Atletico Madrid. Ooh, okay. Okay. So Atletico Madrid has is one of the elite European teams now. 10, 15 years ago, they were not. Yeah, I remember were, that. 
they were the low, they were the little brother to Real Madrid. Real Madrid is the most successful club. They've won the most trophies in Europe. And for years, Atletico Madrid was the um, second fill in Madrid. And then they got this coach named Diego Simeone. And he played in Europe. He played for a bunch of teams. He played in Italy for a while. He played in Spain. He's, he's Argentine, and he's known for um, his motivation. And his, he, gets his, he gets the absolute best out of his teams. And they started small, but they just started making players and they started developing players and they started buying players for cheap and, and selling them for a ton of money to the point where now they're no longer little brother to anybody. They've won multiple La Ligas the last few years. Um, in 2014 and 2016, they made it to the Champions League final, um, which was an unbelievable accomplishment for a club their size. But they've, they've just really built them up, built themselves up from the ground level. And now that we got some of the best talent in Europe and it's kind of, it's the way they run their club is kind of like the Patriots. They have these superstars, but they're willing to sell the superstars if they don't fit the mold of the team they're trying to build. And if they sell them, then they go and they buy three or four uh, young stud of a players to bring on the next generation. And they never lose the heart and soul of the team. No matter which players come in, Diego Simeone is there and he um, he's kept the team and he's really brought them from being a minnow to one of the most elite teams in Europe. So Great based story. on everything you've answered here, I think Atletico Madrid is the right team for you to begin your soccer fandom. Now, Jonathan, great job, first of all. And we'll talk about this a little more, but... I have to say, I know you wanted to pick me an Italian club, and I would love I to. I did. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have an Italian club, but I found the next best thing when you told me uh, Diego Simeone. I was like, man, that guy, he sounds like it could be Italian. And then he said he's from Argentina, which there are actually a lot of Italian folks. Yeah. That there. So I looked, I looked him up. Messy. Both of his parents are Italian. Let's go. So. There we go. There go. We, the Italian roots. We have the Italian roots on a Spanish club. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't have to be in Italy. Yeah. Yeah, he played for um and he played for Inter Milan for years when he was a player and when he became a coach, he he, he moved to Atletico and he just stayed at Atletico like they were kind of small and they're kind of a smaller club and they're clearly punching above their weight years and everyone thought that Simeone is going to move on to a quote-unquote bigger club, but he didn't. He stayed at Atletico, and it's really built them into uh, the elite of Europe. Sweet. So, Jonathan, now who is your team? Um, my favorite team is AC Milan. So you said you liked them earlier uh, yes. uh, when, when, when you were younger. Um, they are my favorite team. So I, I initially discovered them in 2003. I saw them play, and I just, I just really liked the way they played. And they won the Champions League that year. They beat Juventus in a uh, penalty shootout. And then I also read the uh, – see if you remember this. Do you remember the ESPN Almanac? Yes. So before the internet and before <laughs> that where you could get stats all, all, all the time, I was probably I, – I grew up – I'm guessing very similar to you, where you would get – when your dad was done with the sports section – you would get it, and I go straight to the stats, and I start and, and yeah. I start reading all the stats. Right? How yeah, many exactly. how many points and rebounds does this guy have? What what is uh what is this Cubs? What's the Cubs first baseman uh, hitting now for batting average? How many RBIs <laughs> did he have the other night? 
I yeah. just love the staff. Couldn't get enough of them. So every year, it's kind of a tradition. My parents would give me the ESPN Almanac, which is a book for a calendar year that basically just has every stat. For yeah, every it was sport essentially finish. an encyclopedia. Oh my gosh, I spent hours in that thing every year. <laughs> so I started reading them, and that's how I got familiar with all their players because they won the Champions League that year. So there's this big story on them, the Almanac, and they had a was bunch Kaka of stats there back then. then? Well, they signed him in 2004, and that's oh, okay. what really the year after that. And it really, it really cemented because Kaká was just—he was just majestic. Oh my goodness, he was <laughs> my one of my favorite players to watch. The way he just glided past defenders and um, his faith too. He and I share, share share the same faith as the youth, so that was always cool for me to see. And uh, in addition, to the way he um, played on the field, it was just—it was just a match made in heaven. I I, I love Milan. And so they were really good through 2010, 2011. And then they took a nosedive and they were awful. And when you were talking about abusive relationships earlier with the team, <laughs> I, I stayed in it. I don't know why. Maybe I should have left. Maybe I should have gone <laughs> to another team. But the last eight years, they've been awful, just terrible. Um, <laughs> but in a way, that's kind of a dream for me. One of the greatest defenders of all time who spent his whole career at, at Milan, his name is Paolo Baldini. And he played in 2003 with Kaká and all those teams. He was the captain of those teams. Yeah. He played from when he was 16 with the club to when he was 40. He retired. One of my all-time favorite players. Love the guy. Love the way he plays. Well, now he runs the club. He's basically like the general oh, wow. manager of Milan. He's doing a really good job doing it. So it's just a dream for me to have a legend, a club legend on the field who's now a, who now building himself building himself to be a legend in the front office. It's kind of like if if uh, David Ortiz were to become the Red Sox general manager now and and <laughs> brought them up from last place in the division and they won the World Series in the next few years. That's that's kind of what it's like. So it's kind of like a dream for me to be <laughs> have a player who I love so much as a player is now running the club. It's it's cool because he really keeps the soul of the club from the teams that I I really liked growing up. Wow, that's awesome! So, is, are is my team and your team? Are we are we on good terms here with everything? Or so I don't think they've. I don't remember the last time they played each other because Milan has been bad, so they haven't been in the Champions League for quite a while. I think they're going to get yeah. in the Champions League. Uh, they're going to finish well this year, so they get in the Champions League next year. But they just haven't been in the Champions League for a long time. And so during during the last decade when Milan kind of fell off, that's when Atletico was rising. So they haven't had much uh, interaction as of yet. So who's your squad that you're rolling with in the Champions League now without Milan there? Um, That's a good question. I don't really pick a squad because, honestly, I just pick the team that um, hasn't really won. I kind of like – I kind of pick a different team every year, like – Last year, um, I picked this team from Italy called Atalanta. So they're from Bergamo, Italy. They made it to the to the Champions League quarterfinal, and they played against PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, who has all yeah. the money in the world. They have all they have such big names. They're, they're, they're superstar players, Neymar. Oh, yeah, I know Neymar. And yeah, so Neymar. So Atalanta's full payroll, their entire team, is less than what Neymar makes every year on his own. <laughs> So the true Cinderella story. So last year I was really cheering for them because they're, they're fun to watch. They're entertaining. They build from the youth. They have a distinct identity as a club. I really like watching them play. Um, and they almost beat PSG too. PSG scored two late goals in order to advance, but I thought they almost beat them. Wow. 
All right. Well, I'm really interested now that I have a team to follow, and we'll see. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna I'll give Atletico a, a try, and hopefully they are the team yeah. that I stick with. But who knows? Maybe someone else will yeah. steal my heart. Yeah, we should we should come back in a few months and see where you're at. See if you watch a few games, see if you like them, see if they're the right team, if they're not, all that. Yeah, totally. That's a great idea. I'd love to do that. So the last thing I have for you, I've got I've got three things, three teams I'm excited about this year. Four teams, real quick, bullet point style. Yeah. Number one is Atalanta from Italy. Uh, for the reasons I just mentioned before, they're 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 young, they're fun to watch. They're the Cinderella story. They just seem to keep performing every year. And st- they, they don't really care. They, they have no fear who, whoever they play. They come in, they play. I love this team. I love watching them play. They're in the Champions League again this year. So we'll see how far they go. Number two is Chelsea. And I like Chelsea for two reasons. It's my One, brother's they team. Chris- yes. They have Christian Pulisic, who is probably the best American. He's, he's the best American talent right now. Uh, Chelsea bought him for almost $70 million. They paid $70 million for an American to play soccer. It's, it's just, wow. it boggles my mind. Um, on a sidebar, I'm very, very excited because I, I truly believe that America is going to win a world cup in my lifetime. Oh, that is my goal. And it's going to start with players like Christian Pulisic. They keep producing players like him. We will win a world cup. He is awesome. The second reason I like them is because they spent hundreds of millions of dollars this summer on their attack. And their coach does not practice defense, like, at all in training. <laughs> all they do is work on attack. So it's really fun because they score a ton of goals, but they also give up a ton of goals. And yeah. the game is never – it doesn't matter how much they're losing by, how much they're winning by, the game is always available because they're horrible at defense but awesome at offense. They're up three, 3-0 with 20 minutes left a few weeks ago, and they tied 3-3. Just the game is always entertaining. There's always something to be seen. So that's number two. Third team I'm excited about, Barcelona. Yes. They are in a state of transition because uh, forever they were known as a team that had the best uh, youth development in the world, the best farm system. Uh, That's where they develop players like Messi and Xavi and Iniesta, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyo, all these legends. They developed them. Well, then about between maybe six, seven years ago, they changed that philosophy and they started buying players. They started buying glitzy and expensive players. And it really kind of, it stole the soul from the club. And now Messi has one more year left on his contract. And he says, he's going to leave Barcelona, which is crazy to think. Yeah. They're more entertaining from an off the field perspective than an on the field perspective, but a team that I really respected the way that they develop players kind of lost their way the last six or seven years. And now the goat, the player who you never who thought would be in Barcelona jersey forever has now threatened to leave, and it's it's crazy to see. Crazy to see. Yeah, I know there was a time in there when Neymar went over and was playing with them, and it was like, how are they this good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 they bought him, and um, I think I think the other thing is kind of like he was going to be next in line, but then Messi just kept being good, and so then Neymar <laughs> left. Um, I think because he wanted to be the number one guy, he didn't want to be the number two behind Messi. Um, and he left, and Messi is still – I mean, he's hes just amazing, just an amazing player. But he could be wearing a different jersey next year. Crazy to think. Crazy to think about. Yeah. Then the last the last team that I'm excited about is Bayern Munich. This Ooh, team, they won yeah. the Champions League last year, and they are just – 
unbelievably efficient. They just get it done. And they are they dominated last year, and they're dominating again this year. Uh, they just played Atletico Madrid, your favorite team. And <laughs> um, they beat them 4 nothing, which is insane because Atletico Madrid doesn't get beat by anybody like that. And Bayern Munich just slapped them around silly. So it, it just seems like they're getting better. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun to see how, how high they can push their ceiling this year. Man, now I'm rethinking this fandom thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> they lost four nothing. Oh, don't be like that. One game, I'm just kidding. one game, Jack. <laughs> it, 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 if it makes you feel better, they win plenty of games four nothing too. Good, good. That, that's what I want to see. Who's the star player on Atletico that I should be paying attention to? Uh, they have this young kid named Jao Felix. He's a Portuguese guy, and I love him. He might be one of my favorite players just because every time he gets the ball, something amazing happens. It's, it, it just seems that every time he touches the ball, gold just appears out of nowhere. He is an unbelievable player. I love the guy so much. Sweet. And what country is he from? Portugal. I'm going to look up the Atletico roster right now. I just want to see if there are any names that I recognize. Okay. Okay. Oh, they have Luis Suarez. Yes, they signed him this year for practically nothing. So he's he's towards the end of his career then. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, Luis Suarez was kind of a um, that was a more of a um, purchase that they made because he was available. Barcelona really wanted to get rid of him, and they got him for almost nothing. So they bought him. But most of their players, um, if you just kind of a casual soccer fan, you won't know most of their players because um, that's not how they run themselves. They they, they go off and they buy players for cheap that are undervalued or have a lot of upside and they bring them in and they bring them into their environment and the players just produce and they, and they get to their best. And then by the point they become a superstar, other teams call and then they sell high. They, they, Ooh, they sell a bunch. Yeah. They sell at very, very expensive prices. Um, you know, you know, for example, that job Felix, I really like uh, Antoine Griezmann used to be on their team. Don't remember him. Yeah, Barcelona bought him from from Atletico, and then uh, Atletico used that money to go buy Jao Felix, who's who's the next generation of talent. So um, that's just that that's how they go. They they don't invest in the biggest names; they invest in the right names. All right, I like that. That's what I was I've been talking about. Buy low, sell high. That's yeah. what uh, Tampa and the Dodgers have done. The algorithm doesn't lie. Didn't Suarez bite somebody or something like that? Oh, oh, who who hasn't he been? <laughs> I think he's I think he's gotten sanctioned three times in his career for biting someone, like legit biting someone. That just like soccer. I know there's some physicality in it, but why would you ever, if you were to predict a sport where two guys are like close enough that someone would bite another person? It, I don't know. I just I don't think of soccer with biting, but then again, soccer's just got a lot, all kinds of weird antics sometimes well, to it. They're not biting people left and right. That's just Luis Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one that bites people. <laughs> we need to get him in a zoo when his career's yeah. over. Just put him in a zoo, and mom and dad will be scared that their kid falls in because they know that Suarez bites people. <laughs> oh Jonathan this was a lot of fun I'm excited to go into this because I actually held off on watching the Champions League this week because I I thought it'd be better to go into this podcast entirely blind 
Awesome. Well, anytime you need, you want to talk soccer, I'm always available. I can talk soccer all day. I love soccer. I watch it a ton. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's the greatest sport in the world. That's my opinion. I love debating that. I, we could debate that. I love it. <laughs> um, we'd love to talk more about Athletic Over Japan. I could teach you more about their history. We could talk to some of their players. I'm ready. All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back sometime. Don't know if we'll be when we'll talk soccer next or if we'll be talking other sports, but this is a lot of fun. I'm sure the audience loved it and this was informative and insightful for them. Jonathan, uh, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote while you're here? You want to throw out your social media handles, tell anyone what you've been working on lately? Sure. I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, Clancy Jonathan. So that's C-L-A-N-C-Y-J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N. I'm ready for a debate. Come at me. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Jonathan, thanks again for joining me and would love to have you back sometime. Thank you for having me, Jack. It's a lot of fun. Awesome job today from Jonathan. I'm so glad he was able to join me. It was really fun talking soccer. I finally have my team at Atletico Madrid. Going to give it a shot. Who knows? Maybe I float somewhere else, but I'm excited to get into the Champions League. If you guys want to watch the Champions League and you are unable to, subscribe to CBS All Access. Go to jackvita.com slash CBS. I'll be back in action with another podcast episode on Monday, recapping the weekend in sports, NFL Week 8. College football, second week of the Big Ten action. We're inching closer to the start of the Pac-12. Not that that's uh, that's a huge selling point for anybody, but <laughs> it's great. We're again, things feel so normal on Saturday and Sunday afternoons when you just have the TV on, and I put on two games at the same time. I double screen it, and it's so much fun. So you're not going to want to miss out on that episode. Make sure you are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. That way you will not miss out. You'll be first in line whenever there's new content available. You can also check out my website, jackvita.com. I wrote a piece on the Tampa Bay Rays last week, and I'm going to write another piece this weekend. You're going to want to check all that stuff out, jackvita.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jackvitashow, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Once again, thank you all for listening today. Thank you for Jonathan and thank you to our sponsors. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay out of trouble. And until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.